Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam, and these are my daily notes where I share my thoughts on film. Sometimes I have guests on. Today is not one of those episodes, however, but next week we will be having a guest on. I'm definitely working on getting another interview here, and it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be, as of right now, it's planned that Austin Burke, the Burkinator, will be on the Almost Sideways Movie Channel, YouTube channel, and also... Uh, streaming on podcast form as well. And speaking of conversation, Almost Sideways is the place for movie conversation. If you guys want to hear more uh, fun conversation and snippets, not just in video form, but in audio, make sure you guys subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher, wherever you listen to uh, audio formats of cool shows and you want to put us more into your ear holes, we would love that. Make sure you guys leave us a comment. to said ear holes. I'm not sure if that's going to fly with Terry. Uh, well, we'll find out, won't we? But anyway, uh, needless to say, I'm really excited for today's episode. Last week, I kind of took the week off. We did a live show, and, you know, I was really kind of unprepared. It was kind of a last-minute thing. But today, I'm kind of thinking we got to talk about some stuff. we got to talk about some stuff, guys. Zack Snyder's Justice League just hit HBO Max. We have Falcon and Winter Soldier hitting Disney+. Plus. We had the... A couple weeks ago, we had the WandaVision finale. A lot of cool superhero-related content coming out. We also had a film that had an actor from an MCU movie as well as a director, some directors. So i got to talk about some stuff that just uh, basically even, you know, popping up on streaming services. So we're going to start, you know, with – I guess we have to start with every segment now. i got these cool slides for you guys. What are you drinking? And I'm drinking uh, the this – this blue edition of Red Bull because I just worked. I got up at four o'clock in the morning. It's, I'm recording this on Friday the nineteenth, so I'm trying to get this out before I go out uh, for a job uh, on the weekend for my company, and then have some fun with some of my coworkers too later on. My wife's coming too, so that's gonna be a lot of fun. Anyway, so I'm trying to get some energy before because I wake up at four. I wake up at three in the morning and to go into work and you know do my my job as a supervisor now, the company, and you know taking care of the business, making that dollar dollar. I, I don't know why I'm trying to sound so cool, but yeah, maybe it's the energy talking here. So bottoms up to you, everybody. Anyway, so let's get into what we've been watching the first week. You know, wanted to really talk about something that I hadn't quite done yet. Um, and I know one of my friends here on YouTube would like me to share my thoughts. So this one's for you, buddy. Um, so the film I'm going to talk about is the one that just got streaming on um, Apple+. Plus. Uh, streaming service and that is called Cherry, which is directed by the Russo brothers, Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. Probably recognize those names from Avengers Endgame with the highest grossing film of all time. Wait a second. Nope. Nope. Take that back. No, it's still Avatar. Avatar got a re-release in China and has taken over the throne of Avengers Endgame. I, yeah, who cares about Avatar right now? But anyway, Cherry, starring Tom Holland of MCU fame. He's Spider-Man. He also was in like films like The Impossible, which I actually think he's really good in that movie. I'm not a really big fan of the film itself, but I thought he was a breakout star in that movie. He also appeared in like Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home. He was the voice of the main kid in Onward. He appeared in like Locke. He's like a voice in there. And he also had another big out star starring thing with the devil all the time. Now, I did not see that guys did review that on the podcast make sure you check out um where you listen to your podcast there's audio format of that uh, review but also star sierra brava J jack renner uh, some other people show up in this one as well uh 
nothing like no huge stars other than Tom Holland. And this is definitely a vehicle to for Tom Holland to shine um, some drama chops. Now, apparently this is based off a book of some kind. I believe I have not read the book, but I know that this one was one of those films that you kind of had to watch. A lot of people were buzzing online when it was getting near and people were getting the screeners for it. And, I, you know, I, I kind of didn't really get into the hype or anything like that. I was like, oh, it's going to be another Tom Holland movie with the Russo brothers. It's kind of cool. I'm kind of interested to see what they do, uh, especially after Extract came out last year on Netflix with – no, Extraction, sorry. Extraction with Chris Hemsworth, you know, so another Russo project. And he had 21 Bridges a few years before that with Chadwick Boseman. So he, they've done some stuff outside of the MCU, but this is the, one of the first ones they've done directing-wise. And they do take some stylistic choices here that I have to appreciate. And I kind of enjoyed as well. Uh, it's definitely a different kind of scope. This film deals with Tom Holland as he is a character that is flawed in many ways. He starts to kind of uh, as a kind of a wimpy kind of guy, you know, didn't really stick up for himself too much and became into this relationship with Sierra Bravo's character, Emily. Uh, and Sierra Bravo, she was, uh, Bravo was also in movies like the neighbors Two. She appeared in, uh, let's see, this is Beth, definitely her biggest movie, but neighbors Two was one. She appeared as a minor character, angels and demons. She appeared in to the bone, which I believe is a Netflix film as well. Some other ones I've never even heard of. So I'm not going to talk about them. But anyway, uh, so Tom, Tom Holland and her character. So um, Tom Holland plays Cherry, and Cherry Bravo plays Emily, and they they have their relationship. And you know, we go through yelling a love, and you know, one person they can also commitment issues, and these are f both flawed characters. And eventually, somehow, one thing leads to another, and Tom Holland's character signs up for the military, and he goes off to war and sees some really bad stuff, and comes back with some PTSD and becomes a it it it's, it becomes a addiction film, and then it becomes a heist film. So, uh, you know, romance. Uh, there's like it's, like it's like four different parts that are the kind of squished into this two and a half ish hours runtime. You have your your romance at the beginning. You have your military war film, which is actually has some pretty cool parts in it. And then you have your 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 addiction film, and then you have your heist as well. Uh, some fun stuff here. I think it's overly flawed. However, uh, the script is kind of all over the place, but Tom Holland does his best to hold this film together. And it's definitely a film that uh, shows that he can do more than just Spider-Man movies or Avengers movies. Uh, but the best way I described it, I texted the guys, Zach and Todd. I said, uh, I saw Cherry, but this is totally a film that is only out to do one thing. And that is to show that, the actor and the directors are not just one trick ponies. Basically they're not just the Marvel guys. They can do other things. And it, it, it brings up the example of Disney stars, Disney channel stars, or the Mickey mouse club stars, you know, like looking like uh, uh, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and Ryan Gosling. Uh, those are the Mickey mouse stars. And you have um, the Disney stars were like Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hutchinson, uh, Zach Efron, those kind of characters going out and trying to, do something crazy after they get out of these, you know, Disney contracts and or after their shows expire to do something big, bold, and in your face to prove they're not that's these Disney innocent characters and kind of break an image. Sometimes it pays off for people. Uh, other times, like uh, maybe Hillary Duff and Frank Muniz, that kind of stuff, they kind of cave under a lot of the scrutiny. And Shia LaBeouf actually is another good one that kind of falls in this camp where they kind of 
got messed up by the system, unfortunately. Um, I guess Lindsay Lohan. There's a lot of people that kind of get messed up in the system. Uh, I'm not sure that's where Tom Holland's headed. You know, this is definitely a different animal. It's Marvel. It's still in the Disney household, but uh, hopefully things have changed a little bit. But anyway, uh, I think they Tom Holland does a really good job in this film uh, portraying these different emotions and seeing him play do these outrageous things and uh, completely different than Peter Parker is uh, kind of refreshing. But the, what the, the crazy part is, is the direction of the Russo brothers. There's some really cool shots they set up in this and how they are able to move through the story, not necessarily flawlessly, not full of grace, mind you, but kind of choppily. And it feels at times that there's parts where it's kind of slower than other kinds. You want to take a moment to uh, kind of grasp what's happening. Um, it's it's kind of a mess, you know. I don't. I think they are very good directors. They're definitely trying to do something artistic. I definitely see what they're going for. Uh, this is not like a horrible movie. I might be kind of trashing it a little bit. It it is a messy movie, however, and I know it's getting kind of panned online. But I, I kind of kind of go to like two and a half stars for me on this film. I originally, I think I sent in like a two star rating, and we don't, I hear on almost sideways. We only do four stars. But I'm, I'm kind of going to mid 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 ground here because I, I I can appreciate I think my appreciation for the movie kind of bumps it up to two and a half. I wasn't bored. I was entertained, kind of, especially during that second act when you uh, have the war elements. But when he starts suffering from PTSD, he gets addicted to the drugs, and becomes addiction. It's kind of harder to watch because I'm I'm still thinking of the because you're looking at Peter Parker. Spider-Man, essentially, uh, who guy who's in high school like last year in the movies, and now he's this guy who's out of college and in uh, P- suffering PTSD. So it's it's kind of it's it's kind of unsettling at times to see that and you kind of get that out of your head that it's actually not Peter Parker; it's a, an actor, Tom Holland. Uh, but overall, I, I think it's a watchable movie, especially if you have Apple Plus. Uh, it's worth the watch to at least experience what something different from these, these cast of characters. And uh, yeah, it, overall, it, it's my, it's my, I might be interested in giving it another watch and see what happens, but I, it could uh, make me more positive for the movie. It may also might make me less interested in it. Who knows? But the, the real question, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, let me know in the comments section down below what you guys think about the film. Do you guys like it? Do you not like it? Or if you're listening and you want to talk about the film, hit me up on Twitter Adam Sideways or our uh, website's uh, Twitter channel, which is at Almost Sideways. Hit us up there, tag us there, and talk about Cherry with us. So I've, um, I think, as of now, I'm the only one who has seen it. Uh, the four of us. I think Terry should see it because at least he has Apple Plus. So who knows if he's going to watch it? But uh, interesting watch for me. I had two and a half. It's kind of. It, I wasn't disappointed by it because I didn't really have expectations. So it's kind of in the middle of the ground for me. But I, the kind of that film because it has the superhero uh, involvement in it. It kind of transitions kind of perfectly into another conversation, and that is Zack Snyder's Justice League. This is the film that a lot of people had so uh, were were pushing for so many years. Now, if you look back in 2017 when the original Justice League movie came out, and you check out almostsideways.com and you look at Justice League on that, I gave that film three stars. Now, looking back on it now, it's definitely not a good movie. The original uh, Josh Whedon cut, or the Zack Snyder-Josh Whedon hybrid, if you will. 
I gave that movie. I was really positive on it. I didn't didn't think it was the best. I thought it was kind of a an okay film, but it was some dumb fun. I found myself enjoying it a lot more than a lot of people. Even with the fake mustache debacle with Henry Cavill, because um, he was shooting Mission Impossible Fallout, they were said he cannot shave it off, but they wanted to do these reshoots because of the Zack Snyder incident. If you're unfamiliar with the Zack Snyder incident, unfortunately, his daughter. Uh, um, it's kind of hard to talk about. His daughter did try to uh, did commit suicide, so he he was going through a lot of family and personal turmoil, right? And this was in the public eye. A lot of people saw it. We saw a lot of cool, amazing footage from like Comic Cons. Everybody was super hyped about it. I was hyped about it. And then you hear about this incident. He leaves, and then Warner Brothers basically lets him go, and they bring in Josh Whedon. Now Josh Whedon, you know, they think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, they have the Avengers, the first two Avengers movies. So he knows how to put these big action, you know, films together. But the crazy thing is, the original Zack Snyder vision was like a three-hour movie for this Justice League movie in 2017. But once Zack Snyder was out of the way, Warner Brothers said, no, 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 two hours. So the original cut of the film was at about an hour and 59 minutes. So just under the two-hour mark, with Josh Whedon's humor plastered throughout all of it with really lame jokes about dating, a lot of uh, hurt, hurt, kind of kind of hurt the image of Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman for me, considering that the best MC, uh, DCU film up to that point was Wonder Woman, in my opinion. Uh, I still enjoy that movie. I think still think it's one of the better ones in the this universe. And I think it really kind of hurt the her character a lot of it especially flash and i also was a really critical on the flash in that movie i don't think a lot of people really uh, minded him they actually really liked ezra miller and i, I didn't uh, for the simple fact is he's playing barry allen but he's acting like wally west i know that's a really nerdy thing to say but it, it, it makes sense to me and i'm not always really I, I like ezra miller and perks of being a wallflower um but he has some personal off-screen issues as well that i'm not really a big fan of um, but not a big fan of Ezra Miller. I thought Ray Fisher was fine with Cyborg, and we're not going to talk about Ray Fisher's stuff. Uh, I thought Jason Momoa was fine, and I kind of was, you know, I gave it a pass. And part of that could have be been because maybe The Last Jedi and these big, uh, big blockbuster films were kind of disappointing, and I just had wanted some dumb fun. And Justice League gave me that. But watching Zack Snyder's cut and seeing all the fans really champion for this movie and this cut, and even the actors got behind it, and a lot of people wanted it. And Warner Brothers dropped it today, or this couple, last couple of days, on HBO Max. And here's my thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Thank you for listening to that intro. Uh, this is a four-hour movie, guys, but it's broken up in like a couple of different parts, so it's like an, um, it, it's kind of more binge-worthy if you want to take breaks in it. And it's, it's definitely chapter selected in on HBO Max. So there's that, so you don't have to watch it. Uh, first night, I was able to watch two hours. Um, again, I didn't get off. I got off later from work, and my wife and I wanted to watch, but get get tired, you know. So we watched one day, and then we watched to finish it up the next day. And I had to say, I actually had a lot of fun with this movie. It's not perfect by any means, but it's definitely you can see the scope and the vision and some of the effects, the effects and the new scenes, all kind of were in there really amazingly. And I actually really do appreciate the um what Zack Snyder's real vision was he made this superhero epic film that the, the film that he wanted he wanted to make it for fans he didn't necessarily was going for the critics but I got to give it up for the man after all the turmoil he's turmoil he's been through 
through everything that Warner Brothers has done, not with his film, but with also the DCU, with the Ben Affleck stuff, not like giving him the Batman movie, but going with Matt Reeves, of the Planet of the Apes films, and hanging Robert Pattinson, the new Batman, and basically pushing Ben Affleck's script and his ideas to the wayside, and Ben Affleck kind of having his issues from that. And then Ray Fisher and Josh Whedon's like clashes. I definitely don't want to get into that because I don't know anything or hardly anything by choice, uh, but I know it exists there. And uh, you know, I'm not a fan of Josh Whedon uh, as I'm not a big as big a fan anymore. I can appreciate the art, but not the artist. And seeing everybody wanting this version because it's the the rightful version. Uh, I got to give it up to Zack Snyder. Love him, love him as a director or hate him as a director. I think he's done some pretty cool films. I really love Watchmen. I love the Dawn of the Dead movie. Some of his films are overly um, saturated and stylistic, and they're definitely not for everyone. And you're definitely going to get that with Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, it's definitely stylized. It's definitely dark and brutal, but a lot of fun and worth watching. And it kind of fixes some of my issues with it. Definitely. The Wonder Woman uh, character is actually a lot better in this version than compared to the 2017 movie. I'm not quite on board with Ezra Miller quite yet. Uh, still have issues with Flash personally, uh, but maybe I just don't think Flash kind of works. At least maybe this actor's version of the Flash works for me, and that's okay. Uh, a lot of people do like him, and that's uh, totally understandable. Um, Batman is cool in this one. I like seeing Darkseid and Steppenwolf and Steppenwolf has a lot cooler look. There's some really brutal violence in here and some really uh, cool moments. I liked how they got some rather than some of the campy humor in here. And it makes the film, to me, in my opinion, work a lot better than the 2017 version. Uh, for this one, I'm, I, I, I'm trying not to jump up so high on it. I'm still going to give this movie a three-star rating. Okay, this one is still a, a, th a three star for me, maybe three and a half, uh, depending on how much I want to rewatch it. However, I will knock my 2017 Justice League rating down to a one star film. Uh, and the reason for that is because everything that has, you know, has what happened and kind of seeing the two versions in one, one uh, two versions and seeing the differences in this new one so drastically tell the story differently. Um, it's crazy. We're like two hours in and the other film was two hours. We were two hours in the first night and we're not even halfway. Like the part that we were at, at the two hour mark was roughly like halfway through the two hour film. Like it, it's rushed so fast in that other film. Um, granted, I don't want to see every superhero outing before hours. I don't think that's necessarily a good idea. But seeing a uh, vision come together that the fans really want, I think it's, it's, it's awesome. And the fans are really championing it. Uh, I definitely i am seeing a lot of positive, but I'm also seeing some people, you know, be excited for it, but also critical. And I think this it's going to be interesting to see moving forward how much fan bases dictate uh, outcomes of actual projects. Um, because I think a lot of movies – if the fan bases are speak loud, they could actually get different cuts to the films. Uh, like Solo could be one. Uh, Solo, which is a Star Wars story with Alden Ehrenreich and Don McGlover. And obviously we know that Phil Lord and Chris, Christopher Miller uh, filmed that. The, you know, guys who brought us 21 Jump Street and the Lego movies. 
And, you know, they filmed a lot, part of that and they brought in, uh, they fi- got fired from by Disney because they did one, the division was different. And Ron Howard, this one of the safest choices other than JJ Abrams, in my opinion, to take over that film. And, uh, you know, it, it was fine. I actually gave that one a positive rating because I was kind of did not like The Last Jedi. And that's going to be a conversation. We'll talk about Last Jedi at a different time on, on this channel. So, but anyway. It's it, it it's it's been very interesting to see you know different takes. I think also Alien could give us one of these takes, different cuts maybe. I would love to see a David David Fincher cut of Alien Three, like a legit like David Fincher cut of that movie, uh, his actual vision and what he wants to tell uh, with a, maybe a de-aged uh, Sigourney Weaver. That would be pretty cool. Bring Charles Dance is still kicking. Let's bring him back in that movie too. Uh, so a lot of cool uh, things. Um, obviously, one of my favorite directors cut is the final cut of Blade Runner. I think that you know there's so many cuts of that movie. It's gonna be interesting to see what's going forward, how things progress. But yeah, uh, that's what kind of Cherry and Zack Snyder's Justice League are two of the big ones that I kind of wanted to talk about. I hadn't got a chance to yet, and I know Cherry's been out for a while, but you know I wanted to share something. You know, it's a little better late than never. I also saw Raya the Last Dragon on Disney Plus. Thought that was a lot of fun. I thought it was really good. People really enjoyed that movie quite a bit. And I did too. It's pretty cool. All right. So that's my thoughts on those two um, pretty good movies in my mind. Uh, what do you guys think about them? That's the question. I want to do probably one more movie review and just so that you guys can have some extra uh, juicy content. I don't want to talk all your ear off too much. Uh, looking forward to next week's episode, though, however. The uh, the next film I want to really talk about here um, is because the, it's beginning um, some awards consideration, and myself and our other contributor Todd Plucknett um, are also members of Film Independent. And so the movie I want to talk about right now is a film directed by Robert um, Coney called "The Killing Killing of Two Lovers," and this film just came out a few weeks ago as well. And it is nominated at the Spirit Awards and probably something I'm going to probably be voting for. But to keep your eyes out, make sure you subscribe here on Almost Sideways to have an, a video of myself and Todd talking about what we're voting for at the Spirit Awards. We're filming that on April, I believe, 3rd is what we decided on. So a week before the voting closes there. But anyway, The Killing of Two Lovers is a film um, with Clayne Crawford and Sebastian. Um, Betty um, Moffy. I, I know I mispronounced that name, and I do apologize about that. Uh, Clayne Crawford plays a character named David, and he actually he may remember him from films um, like Swim Fan and a, a Walk to Remember, are probably two of the bigger films that he's been in. Our leading actress is actually her only her second film that she's ever been in. She was in a movie in 2017 called Quest as well. But anyway, this film is about a, a marriage that is on the rocks. Uh, the husband and wife, you know, Clayne and Sabid's character. Uh, David is uh, Clayne's character, and Nikki is uh, Speed's character. So David and Nikki are a married couple that are having a tough time in their relationship. So they take decide to take a break from it, and but with a caveat that you can actually be able to uh, see other people. However. David is um, very uh, distraught, to say the least, and he doesn't. He, uh, to our knowledge, he's not seeing anybody else, but his wife Nikki is. 
and there is a conflict here, a personal struggle where they're trying to save their marriage. They're still going on, trying to go on date nights, but one of the party is seeing another person. So the conf- there's a conflict there. The movie starts out with an, a literal almost bang. I can tell you that right, without trying to skip too much away, put the pieces together maybe, but it, it's, it starts off very shockingly. Because uh, I was not expecting that film to start exactly where it did, and the first thing I immediately like recognized this film for doing is cooking you in with not just an intense moment, but also some killer music. What an amazing score this film has! This movie does something so great, and I wish this film would get recognized for best score because there's something about it that just cooked you got my heart pounding throughout the, these different moments that happen in this film. But anyway, so you're not just dealing with this personal struggle with accepting that your wife is seeing somebody else and also uh, the ability to work through your guys' problems to hopefully, hopefully save your marriage, but you're also dealing with kids. And there's four kids here. Uh, three boys and one daughter who's the oldest and you know was a teenager actually so the three boys you know wanting to see their dad they want to be there and see their dad but also the daughter is a teenager and feels like the dad's not fighting enough fighting strong enough and you know having all their relationships being really at it at odds because they're they necessarily don't understand ex- everything that's going on but they want their life back as normal uh, so there's a, definitely a, a sense of just conflict, and there's so much uh, ways that this guy is being pulled from and pulled towards and having to feel these different things as well as taking care of his father and living with his father and dealing with this emotional and emotional turmoil that he's going, his own personal hell. And the film definitely at, it moves at a quick pace, even for being a film that's only 84 minutes long. This movie is quick. This movie is fast. And this movie is intense. And it's one of the better, best movies I've seen of 2021. I haven't seen a ton. I've seen about maybe 15 to 20-ish. This one, I I don't want to say guarantees, but I, I will guarantee that this movie will be mentioned on one of the best movies of 2021 for me. It, it's one of those movies that has made becoming a film independent member uh, totally worth it. Like you, I pay to be included in this group and they sent, you know, I have some perks to go with it, but that initial initiation fee Basically, I would have paid to watch this movie. Like that's it's kind of it's kind of weird to say that, and uh, but there was something about this movie. Damn, like such a small film, but such a big payoff. Like it's it's definitely one of those movies that I am want more people to watch. And unfortunately, I think it has less than a, a thousand votes on IMDb. So seek out the killing of two lovers, guys. Like try to find this movie if you can, and it's it's definitely a rewarding experience. And uh, one of those movies that uh, as I've, I originally gave it like three and a half stars. Like it's a high three and a half stars. Like if I watch this again, this is a four star movie. And I was just because the reason why I'm like, it's at the perfect point. I don't like to jump on board those four. I can always change it in a later, but it's a damn almost near perfect movie. Like it's, it's freaking fantastic. And I really hope more people watch it because it's one of those ones that has so many good things going for it. And that's why indie films are so important because you can get some really cool emotional move, uh, moments in it. 
And one of the favorite crazy things is is that when a movie can actually get me to like just like cover my mouth or get me on my edge of my seat where I'm crossing my arms, like what's going to happen? I'm just like my pal- heart's palpitating. That's a great. That's great. You're invested into the movie, invested into the characters, and that's exactly what the Killing of Two Lovers did. I want to see what more of this uh, Robert McConey uh, is going to be doing in his future. He's done about nine films. Um, definitely nothing like super mainstream for sure. Uh, some of the highlights is God Bless This Child, which is about 91 minutes long. Uh, he co-directed that with someone. This came out in 2015. Uh, let's see another one here is when she runs was a 2018 movie also uh you know did this uh co-directed and he also in 2019 did a a short film called the miners so some some interesting little filmography there you know nine films and they're all relatively short i think the longest film i'm clicking through here is about 91 minutes long and like two of the films are about 70 71 77 minutes long and then you uh and you have the killing two lovers sitting at 84 minutes long. So a lot of cool stuff here. And if you guys have seen the killing of two lovers, let us know on almost sideways Twitter or on YouTube or whatever the case, maybe wherever you're watching this, make sure you let us know. Uh, with that said, guys, most of my quick, what I've been watching moments, I reviewed cherry sack Snyder's justice league and the killing of two lovers. I definitely think that the killing two lovers, my favorite, then justice league and then cherry, uh, you know, I think the only perfect one, the best watch definitely is the one that you should watch is the killing of two lovers. The more accessible movies are cherry and justice league. They're worth it. They're worth the watch. Uh, basically if I had to choose from which one I'm going to buy, I'm probably definitely going to buy the killing of two lovers if I can find it. Um, and this is a movie that I would love to see like a, a criterion cut of, uh, I, I get that box. I, I don't know. This, this movie is great. I, I love this film. <laughs> anyway, I'll stop gushing about it. Again, uh, my name is Adam, and I love talking about movies and fun things, and we love having movie conversations on Almost side, Sideways. So make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe wherever you guys you guys listen to on podcast form, or you guys like to fall, watch videos on YouTube too. Terry, Zach, and Todd will be back with the next episode of the Movie Podcast. Uh, I believe they're going to be doing the top five films, uh, best edited films, not nominated for Oscars, with the caveat that you only can pick one per decade that's gonna be a tough conversation to have and i have to, they have to predict my list and it's uh, friday and they're recording in two days and i have no idea what my list lo- looks like quite yet so we'll see how it goes so i totally forgot that i recorded some extra content for you guys last week actually i recorded a live kind of segment where i did some movie reviews as well and did kind of a question and answer. Uh, I'll put some of that in this thing, the, the good parts, because there was some some dead air there as well because waiting for people to come in. But I still wanted to share some of my movie thoughts here. I think I reviewed No Man Land, the Billie Eilish documentary. And I believe I shared my thoughts on Spun- the new SpongeBob movie from Paramount. Uh, so, yeah, all those things will be coming up shortly. Uh, broke it up a little differently, but hope you guys still enjoy the more movie conversation. I'm really excited. Hopefully, we have some people in the chat. I'm going to do kind of like a live movie conversation, talk about a few movies here, and then go on from there uh, and you know talk film. And if you guys have any questions, we'll put the questions in the comments section. We'll pop them up on screen if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening to this on audio podcast, great. You'll hear some awesome, fun conversations.
we were going to talk about a couple of different movies that I've been watching recently. Uh, you know, it's award season, so we have a couple of different uh, nomination stuff coming out pretty soon as well. All right, so let's get into some movie reviews. If you guys have any thoughts on the films that I'm talking about, I'll make sure to uh, pop those up on the screen too. And if you guys have any questions, make sure you guys leave that. Uh, so the first movie, I guess you guys look at the thumbnail, and one of the big award-containing f- film is No Man Land. I didn't really share my thoughts about this on the podcast yet, but I thought I should. I thought No Man Land was really dang good, and it actually we put our top ten best movies of the year out already, and I didn't get a chance to put it on there because I hadn't watched it quite yet, and I thought it was uh, fantastic. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. I think it finished my top five uh, favorite movies of all time, um, not all time, but of 2020. And Francis McDormand is really good. Uh, I don't think anybody else can. I can really see anybody else. Uh, I don't think I have. I can't really picture anybody else uh, in that performance because she is. She's she gives the other actors who are not really actors uh, the chance to shine and gives them the attention instead of herself. And I think that's very selfless what she's able to do on that. And we got a couple people here. Uh, this is a favorite of this month so far. Actually, no, I think another, I, it's tough. It's tough. I, I gave this one four stars. There's another movie I gave four stars as a 2021 movie. I'll talk about that in a second. It's a, I think this may be my, No Man Land might be my favorite movie of the month so far, probably. Yeah. Haven't seen Minari yet, uh, but we'll uh, get to that in a second. Hopefully, to watch that soon. And then Eric Forbes here. I still need to see No Man Land. Yeah, I, I think it's a really a dang good movie. Uh, and, and what I really liked about it was the diff, especially with Chloe Zhao's direction. Now, now, granted, I need to see the writer. I have fantastic things about the writer. So that's one of my uh, glaring blind spots, if you will. So I'll check that one out eventually. Uh, but uh, Chloe Zhao, man, I think. There's some really amazing things that she's going to do as a director um, on the course of her career. I'm looking forward to every single movie that she does now because there's something that she um, was able to do with such realism and uh, tell true story, like real stories and like like real emotions out of people without having big flashy names. You have French McDormand is a big time actress, but you know she's you know she's kind of she's at a point in her career where she is giving the other people the attention, which is fantastic. And I think she does get a nomination on the Oscar Sunday or Oscar nomination day. And I also think that she has a good chance of winning. Um, Carrie Mulligan and Vanessa Kirby are kind of people I would love to win. I give somebody else who hasn't won quite yet, but if Francis McDormand's name gets called, I'm not going to be upset by it because she's a fantastic. She's one of my favorite actress of all time. And one of my, uh, you know, obviously all her work with the Coen brothers with blood simple and burn after reading Fargo. Uh, you know, she's also done three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. The list goes on and on with her. And uh, she's just a fantastic actress. And I, I love everything that she's in. Um, been in WandaVision land, <laughs> Eric Thor been in WandaVision land since January. I think I will talk about WandaVision. Let's just talk about WandaVision right now. How shall we? Uh, WandaVision. I uh, will finish that show. I actually really dug it a lot. I think it's one of the most creative things that the MCU has done and Marvel has done in a very long time. A lot of people say like the, the best movie, you know, the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame are the tippy top of the MCU. I, I'm up there with you guys on that thinking, but I kind of think Winter Soldier is my favorite movie of the MCU. Uh, Winter Soldier is my favorite movie in the MCU. It's kind of a spy thriller that I really, really love. And but the WandaVision, fantastic. Let's see, WandaVision is Wa WandaVision. <laughs> love it. Uh, I loved it. My favorite 
MC project to date from Eric Thorpe. Uh, dude, Winter Soldier is fave too. Heck, heck yes, Leo. But anyway, uh, Vision is something cool because I never thought I would ever want to see Scarlet Witch and Vision get their own movie. I don't think that would actually work. But having it on a TV show, very, very smart, I think. And because it's be able to expand and be able to branch out and over a longer meeting, um, longer uh, format than a movie could actually do. And I, I thought that was really dang good. And I think what they're going to do with Winter Soldier and Falcon, Falcon and Winter Soldier coming out in next week, actually. Uh, I think that's also going to benefit from the longer format show with a weekly format. And I really liked how the weekly format happened because you're able to have discussions and make a lot of uh, accu uh, not accusations. That's the wrong word, but you can speculate, have the speculation. That's the word. Make speculations of what's going to happen with WandaVision and what's going to happen moving forward on every episode. Granted, Mephisto didn't really show up. Some other things didn't really happen the way that I thought, but I really enjoyed it. And I was really interested, especially seeing what Captain Marvel 2 is going to bring. I'm really excited for Captain Marvel 2, really excited for Doctor Strange and uh, the Multiverse of Madness. And of course, the Spider-Man as well. So a lot of fun stuff coming out in the MCU. I think it's definitely good. I was actually, I'm in the camp that I'm a, I love the MCU. I really had a lot of fun, but after Endgame, I, Kind of, kind of tired, get a little tired. They're, they're exhausting films at times because there's, you know, there's so much packed into it. And I didn't really know how MCU for uh, uh, phase four was actually going to pan out. And, you know, Black Widow being postponed so many times and Eternals waiting for that best director win from Chloe Zhao before they post that trailer, possibly. Uh, you know, um, maybe a good break in having a TV show in between them is actually the right thing for them. Let's get a, uh, a couple comments here. Eric Thorpe says, I think WandaVision edges out Infinity War or just ever so slightly. Such a fascinating project. And he also comments, I like Winter Soldier, but it's probably like number 10 for me in my MCU ranking. Is that a hot take? No, I don't think so. I I, I, I have it really high. Uh, a lot of people, I, I really enjoyed it. So I don't think that's really a hot take. A lot of people have, you know, I think, you know, in game up quite up there. But I've also seen people with like movies that I have near the bottom. Like they really like Gardens of the Galaxy 2. And I'm not a big fan of that film. Uh, it's fun, but I just don't. I like the first one a little better. So. Uh, I, th I think whatever camp you're in, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So MCU's is always a great. Let's see another comment from him. If one division is Indian occasion, I think phase four could be the best one yet. I, it could possibly you have, you have, you know, winter Falcon, winter soldier coming out soon. You have Eternals, Spider-Man three, Dr. Strange two. You have what Shang Chi, which is probably the project I'm most intrigued about because it's a new character bringing back the real mandarin having some extra characters captain marvel 2 i'm actually more excited now too as well all right let's move on to the next uh film uh it's, this is a film i have joined a group called film independent where they send us me a bunch of screeners for movies that they nominated for the spirit awards and i'm able to actually vote on those awards that award show 
for the Indie Spirit Awards. And one of the, so I've been kind of binge these screeners. And one of the movies I watched was from 2020 called She Dies Tomorrow. And you actually saw that, that poster on the thumbnail. What a weird movie. I'm not really going to discuss this one too much because I don't think there's anything left to say. A lot of people have talked about that. And it's definitely one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. It's uh, kind of boring in a way. It's just really slow. A lot of definitely music. Oh, yes. Leo is a part of the uh, film independent as well. So that's I, I love film, film independent. And I think I will have a, a we'll have a podcast episode with me, and my other co-host who's a film independent uh, contributor as well. Talk about what we um, what we voted on for the film independent awards. Never done that before. Never voted on an award show, but we really uh, before. So it'd be fun to uh, do that anyway. She dies tomorrow is just one of those movies that I thought some of the performances were interesting. The characters were different. Uh, the premise I just couldn't grasp, uh, uh, wrap my head around what was happening. It was definitely a slower paced movie, which I normally don't mind, but this one was nothing was really getting me invested to it. It was just a lot of cool, interesting colors, uh, a lot of cool purples and neon colors, which I kind of a fan of. Uh, but nothing that really grabbed my attention. So she dies tomorrow is something that I'm not, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Joe, can I speak to the manager, Joe exotics here? Nice to see a Joe exotic. Anyway, so moving on from that, we're, she dies tomorrow. Not so crazy. But another film last film. I'll probably talk. Actually, I watched a uh, sponge, Bob SquarePants, sponge on the run. Now I didn't really grow up with the SpongeBob SquarePants TV show. It's kind of a little past my, my, uh, liking of it i i know the characters P patrick squidward gary mr Krabs, plankton all those characters and uh but it was my, kind of my brothers and my sister's show i'm a few years older than how oh here we go how was sponge on the run uh, for me it was fine i you know it's something like i'm not gonna trash a movie for me not really can hooking me because what it really did was I was able to watch this with my daughter who is six years old and she really liked it. So I enjoyed my time watching it with her. Um, so overall, like I think on this, my rating scale, I give it like a two out of four stars because I think there's stuff to like about it, especially maybe if you really watched the show growing up, you're really going to like kind of be drawn to it and have fun with it. But for me, I never really get into it. So it was some something like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah there's some silly humor. Uh, I think that I don't really, I'm not a big fan of like uh, poo and fart jokes in kids' movies because that happens all the time. It's like kind of the easy way out because we all chuckle at it at times. Uh, so that, there was some of that in there. The animation was really bright. Um, it, there was some really fun moments in there, but I like when they go to the Las Vegas like casino area. It's kind of funny because my wife and I are actually going to Las Vegas at the end of the month too. So. Uh, it's got, it was fun for the, for, for the most part, it was just one of those things that uh, I'm not really, didn't really grow up on it. So it's not something that really connected crazy with me, but without, with that said, though, it, 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 it's a fun movie. If you like SpongeBob, go check it out. Last thing I will say uh, that I watched was the Billie Eilish documentary. The B, oh, hold on. Let's see one question or one thought here. Eric Thorpe. I actually saw Sponge in the Rum in theaters. It was a theaters here in Canada back in July. Oh, wow. I probably wouldn't have seen it in theaters normally, but I was excited for any movie to be in theater. That's a really dang uh, good point uh, about the theater system. Um, obviously, the theaters are just now opening up. And I think I'm trying to take my uh, family out to Raya and the Last Dragon this weekend. 
hopefully we can be able to make that happen. But yeah, the theater last movie I saw in theater was Freaky with Vince Vaughn, and I, I really had a lot of fun with that movie. Uh, but yeah, it normally you kind of just like grasping at whatever like is available, uh, especially in this crazy time. You know, you never know uh, what's happening and uh, where things are. Um, what movies are actually going to come in the area? So definitely checking out Spence in the Room just because it was there. I, I, I totally get that feeling because I'm desperate to go see a movie in the theater and eat some popcorn too. So we shall uh, see how this weekend goes for a movie. Okay, Billy Eilish documentary on Apple+. Plus. This was one of the most uh, amazing documentaries experiences I've had in a very long time. It mixes like the music and um, her story in a very authentic way that I just really appreciated. And as somebody who, you know, I listen to Billie Eilish for, you know, cause my family listens to her and I've slowly appreciated her music and just really, um, I, you know, really got into kind of like her, her stuff. I'm really looking forward to hearing her song from in the James Bond movie. And obviously she appeared at the Oscars last year and, you know, I thought that everything that this story, what she was doing, was probably some of the, my favorite documentaries since probably last year. Or was it, uh, like hearing these really cool uh, stories about these people that you think are, you know, close to being perfect of being a celebrity, but you know she has her flaws and she she opens up about it and uh, is insecure at times, but it's so real and I it just made me appreciate. It. And this is probably one of the favorite things I've watched this year or this month too. So. A very good documentary that I really recommend. If you have Apple Plus, or if you don't, just use the, it's like four bucks. So I would check out the uh, Apple Plus TV show or movie of Billy Irish. Um, the world's kind of blurry, I believe, but it's what it's called. Very good documentary. So let's go back up to Eric Thorpe. Here we go. Uh, they are closed now. Uh, the talking about the movie theaters. They're closed now, uh, though. Here again, and I'm. Ironically, now that they seem to be open, most of, on the, of the world, oh, yeah, that's kind of funny that like most of the world's opening back up, but then they close again. That would be kind of frustrating if that happened uh, this year. You know, I haven't, have you, have you checked out Cherry? You know, I got pretty rocky reviews, but I'm looking forward to checking it out now that it's out on Apple. Oh, it's out right now? I didn't quite realize that it's out. Um, yeah, so I might, I missed Cherry. I haven't seen Cherry yet. I know that. A lot of uh, people have seen it, and a lot of people that I, I know, like Leo has seen it, and a bunch of other people uh, that I'm associated with uh, have seen the film. I need, to, I need to get on that now. I probably would have a review out probably next podcast episode, but we'll have someone to we'll talk, have a conversation about maybe uh, the cherry. So, yeah, now really, that's pretty much all I really had today uh, planned out. I Like I said, like it was just kind of something um, – I want to talk about some movies I hadn't quite watched or I have watched recently, and I wanted to share those with you. But now it's kind of open floor discussion. If you guys have any questions, make sure you guys leave them in the comments section. We'll, we'll talk about them. We'll have a good conversation about it. And, and also, let me know. I would like to know what you guys have been watching. What have you guys been watching? What kind of what stuff would you recommend me to watch? Because I'm always looking for some really fun stuff. Um, really fun. I'm always curious to watch new movies too. And you know, this week it's just been one of those things I kind of didn't have any, like I, I couldn't think of any good podcast episodes that we could conversation have. So I was like, wait, wait, let's go live. Let's have some conversation with you guys. Cause that's what we like to do here and almost sideways. Anyway, let's go into your guys. There's a bunch of uh, things here, here. Let's go up. Eric Thorpe. 
I believe it came out on Apple for the public today. Okay, I, so this is the 12th. Yeah, the 12th is Friday. Oh, yeah, so it probably would have come out. So I'll probably check that out tonight. And I'll follow me on Twitter, Adam Sideways. If you guys haven't, I'll try to get a review up here. It'd be kind of fun to share that as well. Her No Time to Die theme song is, I think, is one of the best. Bond- I need to check it out. I probably have seen it, but I uh, can't recall uh, the, the, how it sounds right now. And Leo's curious to hear my thoughts on Cherry. All right, let's see here. Uh, no Time to Die is my most anticipated movie, upcoming movie this by far. I think, yeah, No Time to Die is up there for me. I did post a video on this, but um, I think now I want really want to see Quiet Place 2. One of the movies I actually watched, Malcolm and Marie, appeared on my most anticipated list, and Nine uh, Days appeared, but I've we posted reviews on those films on the channel already. I liked them both up there. That's type five for the year for me so far. I haven't seen a whole lot of movies this year though, but uh, I think let's try to think here. Um, most anticipated movies. Yeah. I think no time to die is up there. Top gun Maverick ghostbusters is up there. I, there's a lot of fun movies of uh, MCU stuff. I think there's a, there's a ton of fun, uh, fun stuff coming out this year. That is my hair is bugging me. It's too long. I need to get a haircut. So that's happening today. Anyway, next question. <clears throat> Leo, for the Spirit Awards, I watched The Assistant. Great message. It's a little too slow. Yeah, I actually started watching that yesterday. Got home from work, and it was a long day, and I started watching The Assistant and because I've heard good things about it. And I got to about five minutes in. I was like, I probably am not ready for it to watch a movie yet. So I started. I popped in, and I got the platinum of The Last of Us Part Two, and then I started playing the Tomb Raider uh, PS4 version the definitive edition. So top hopping on that and playing some games. Like so I wake up so I don't fall asleep after work. Uh, Leo, what's your favorite uh, of the DCEU? And are you excited or anticipating Zack Snyder's Justice League? Heck yeah. I mean, I'm actually really looking forward to Justice League now a little bit more than I have been. Uh, favorite film in the DCEU? Mm, I, Wonder Woman's up there. I enjoyed the first Wonder Woman film a lot. I think... I, I the third act aside, I, it was probably my favorite thing so far that they've done. But I'm also a big fan of Sazam. I enjoyed Aquaman on quite a bit. Man of Steel, I have to rewatch again. Uh, BVS, the the ultimate cut was actually a lot better than the original cut. Not a, like it's not like top tier for me, but I think at the top for me, I think the first Wonder Woman movie. Birds of Prey. I actually really had a lot of fun with Birds of Prey too. Uh, probably at my uh, top five. That Wonder Woman, um, maybe Sazam, Birds of Prey, Man of Steel, um, and Aquaman. Probably top five. And then I probably have to throw in uh, BBS, Justice League, and then Suicide Squad. Uh, probably that's how my ranking would be right now. I have to take a look at some of those films. And, you know, who knows how the. Next, Sack Snyder's cut would be. I'm excited for it. I think that comes out next weekend, right on the 19th or 18th or 19th. So I should definitely have to check that out. <clears throat> okay, Man of Steel and BBS are my faves. So I think I, I'll dig the Snyder cut. I I think that a lot of the stuff I've seen recently probably dig it, uh, and it's just going to be interesting to see the side side by side comparisons between the two movies uh, because I just don't. It's crazy to think how many people wanted this this cut to happen than it actually did. It makes me think of other versions of films that um, you would like to see from other directors that maybe got 
cast off, aka Solo. Like, let's have the Lord and Miller cut of Solo, please. Or let's have the uh, David Fincher, the the actual like completed cut of Alien Three from David Fincher. That'd be a lot of fun. I would love those two movies. And um, yeah, there's probably other ones. I mean, just I have to I think about, but. Like one of my favorite cuts, the best like director's cut movie of all time is Blade Runner, like the final cut. Like that's like a perfect film. One of my top 100 movies of all time. Really. And I'm not, there's another controversial, controversial thing. I'm not a huge Ridley Scott fan. I think he's pretty hit or miss. And I'm really only kind of a fan of, there's, there's films I, I have enjoyed, but I don't think there's smell. I'm dying to go see a Ridley Scott movie. I, I love Alien. I love Blade Runner twenty or not twenty forty nine. That's not Ridley Scott, but Blade Runner and Alien are kind of my favorites of his films. I have fun with Gladiator, but after after watching it recently, I'm not kind of like put a sour taste in my mouth. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just it was not as good as I remember it being. All right, <clears throat> what's your favorite movie of twenty twenty? Uh, we did do uh, best movies of the list, um, and I can I can kind of remember actually because with No Man Land watching it, it knocked out uh, Possessor out of my top ten. Possessor, my original list was Possessor number ten. Number nine is Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Number eight was Tenant. Seven, oh, this is, uh, Palm Springs. Six was Pieces of a Woman. Women. Five was You Cannot Kill David Arquette, which is a documentary about David Arquette as a wrestler. And number uh, four was The Invisible Man. Number three was... Number... Th- oh, my goodness. I'm forgetting my number three. Number one was... Um, oh, my goodness. I totally throw myself off now. No, number three was Promising Young Woman. Number two... Oh my god, I don't want to look. I, I know I should know this. <laughs> Promising young. Oh yeah, I got it. Number two was Sound of Metal. And number one was Another Round, which is probably gonna be the film that wins Best International Film at the Oscars this year. Uh, I, I was going back and forth between Sound of Metal and Alex Vinterberg's Another Round. A lot of reasons why I put another round as my favorite is because I'm a big fan of the film The Hunt, which Finterberg and Mads Mikkelsen has done together. It was that actually appeared on my like top 25 movies of the decade of the last decade. So another round. If you haven't seen it, it's really actually a really cool movie. And I, I really dug it. It's about them experimenting with drinking alcohol through keeping a, a blood alcohol level of a certain point going throughout your day. And um you get more little there's like a theory they have a hypothesis and they go out and kind of do a social experiment and but sound of metals up there too those ones i couldn't can't go wrong with those two films eric Thorpe, go back to the dceu conversation i enjoy them all other than suicide squad and justice league yeah agree with that there's chatter of um the shackman cut of wandavision now already oh my goodness I don't think I want to. Uh, I think the finale was fine. Yeah, it was a little rush. It would like to be a little longer, but I thought it was fine. My favorite 2020 was Tenet, even though I wouldn't say I wasn't o- I was over the moon for it. Really liked it, though. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with Tenet. What's funny enough is one of our guys, Terry, on our, our podcast and uh, website as well, he uh, ranked it as one of his worst films, like least favorite film of the uh, of the year. 
he didn't really understand why I was so hyped. And then, of course, I'm like biting my tongue as we're sitting on the episode. I'm like, I'm about to talk about this as one of my favorite movies of the year. Just really dug it a lot. I thought it was uh, it was really fun. And I haven't been haven't put a Christopher Nolan movie in my top ten for quite a bit. And I, like Dunkirk, I have to go back and watch that. I have the 4K version. I found it at a pawn shop actually, so I need to go back and rewatch that. Do kind of like a revisited review of that because when I first did YouTube a while ago, a couple years ago. I reviewed it and I gave kind of like it was it was fine it was pat like it was decent but I wasn't over the moon with Dunkirk either for something just something with Tenet that hit me and I just enjoyed the heck out of it probably David uh, John David Washington and Robert Pattinson really liked anything that those guys do now so I'm always always gonna be fans of them uh, another the round I liked so you think it would beat out Minari that one at the Golden Globes the thing is I don't think Minari is going to get nominated as best international film because it's not an international movie it's an American movie and yes it has a lot of subtitles in it but it doesn't it wouldn't necessarily qualify for um, Golden Globes it's you know best foreign language film so of course you know Minari being in with subtitles that so we still haven't don't know exactly where another round would fit into this Oscar conversation because it really hasn't gone up against anything without Minari. I think the other movie that the only really movie that's going to really compete with it is La Llorona, which is a Guatemalan film, which I also have seen recently. I should have talk, maybe talked about that movie today, but La Llorona I thought was was really good. It's a little different than I thought it was, and it's like jump scary. Or anything like that, but it was a very, uh, a very kind of intense, impactful film and different telling of this this, this legend. So yeah, I, I really dug it as well. <clears throat> the Dark Knight trilogy, ugh, trilogy and Inception are my fave movies of all time, and the rest of the Nolan movies are fantastic, but not quite on the level for me um, of those four. I think my favorite Nolan film. I, I think. I mean, I think for me, my favorite one would be Memento. Memento and the Dark Knight's up there for me. Yeah, I think it's. I think it goes dark, like Dark Knight or Memento. To flips every once in a while, and then you go Batman Begins. So I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank. I, I kind of really liked Insomnia. I think Insomnia at the top, printing in the top. Inception would be. Oh, Inception would be up there as well. Inception, Dark Knight Rises, maybe. Dunkirk following is up there. Actually, I'm forgetting Tenet now, too. Where is Tenet? I haven't actually ranked Christopher Nolan's movies before. And I've been putting on the spot about it. It's kind of <clears throat> kind of fun to think about. I guess I would go near the bottom would be the Prestige. It was okay. Then probably Interstellar. It's, 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 it's a tough question because he's, he's a different director here, too. So, but for sure, Dark Knight, Memento, and then Batman Begins is up there. Tenant would be up there too. Yeah, following Insomnia. That's true, I guess. The, I guess the Golden Globes is just about being foreign language, but at the Oscars, it actually has to be a full, uh, a full on foreign film. Yeah, that is true. It's it's just it's weird how they you know the two different things, Golden Globes, and then also the the. Oscars are completely different. It's like Golden Globes are like the drunk uncle. They kind of just like do whatever they want type of thing for awards. But it's it's been enough. It's it's fun to see kind of different things play out and and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat is extremely dry all of a sudden. Ha have things play out and and 
it, it just throws every it throws a fork in everything that we uh, as you you think about and want to see because it's it's the Golden Globes are just they just do their own thing and they're completely happy with it and we as as movie fans we get to be upset by what they do because of how uh, different they are being. And they nominate a bunch of weird random movies that no one's seen yet. And it's like, wait, wait, why are you nominating, you know, this film here? Because no one has seen this one yet. So it's just, it's kind of funny. And like the Golden Globes might have put like Jodie Foster into like the best supporting actress category, which she wasn't really getting any recognition for, for the movie. But now she might be. So, ooh, here we go. More questions. Okay. Eric Thorpe. Favorite Bond movie. Very favorite Bond movie. James Bond. For me, it's a three-way tie. GoldenEye, Casino Royale, and Skyfall. Ooh, good films. Yeah, GoldenEye is up there for me as well. Uh, Skyfall, of course. But the man, um, the man with the golden guns, really good. Uh, GoldenEye, of course, probably one of my favorite ones of them. I used to watch James Bond quite a bit with my grandpa. And like whenever those James Bond marathons would come on, we would watch watch that and have a lot of fun with it too. So I really enjoy a good James Bond movie. Um, I think that some of my other favorite ones, yeah, The Man with the Golden Gun from Russia, from Russia, uh, from Russia with Love. I'm, I'm kind of nostalgic for Doctor No. Doctor No is for me is up there too because it's just like this is the first one. But, you know, Casino Royale, Skyfall, GoldenEye, all really great choices near the top of my, of my list, too. But GoldenEye probably the most uh, like the most because I also have the still have the Nintendo 64 video game, one of the best video games that I've played growing up. Um, like I said, I'm going out to Vegas uh, in a couple um, in a couple weeks. At the end of the month, actually, my wife and I are going to Vegas. We've been married for eight years now. So we're going to go out and actually have an anniversary weekend away so very first flight that i've ever taken uh in a long time actually since i was probably in high school and i'm 32 now so it's been a while since i've been on a plane which i'm not nervous about that it's just you know during the, this kind of crazy time this world's in right now it's getting on something that's a little you know it's different it's a different adventure you know so going out there and exploring the the the, the world and so to speak, even though it's only like a two-hour flight, it's gonna be fun just to get out of town, kind of break the monotony of the normal day-to-day -day stuff, and kind of just celebrate our kind of relationship together. We've been through a lot of stuff going, um, together, and eight years is a, a good chunk of change there. It's been fun, and so that we're gonna go to Vegas. I probably won't have an episode in a couple weeks, but you know, I'll try to think of something for. Um, I think I appreciate it. I try to think of something cool for the, the channel. And I think like I said, like it's it's been fun kind of growing this thing out a little bit. And especially it's a definitely different. When I was we had a, the YouTube channel before, I was posting all the time and making these content, but this time it's I wanted to have more of a conversation, also bringing those the guys on too with videos and having them post their little small reviews too. I think we can get, we can pop out a lot more content. So we're going, we've only been a channel for a couple months now. So slowly, we got to start somewhere slowly, but surely. So it's, it's been a, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride and I'm, I'm digging it for sure. So comment here. I'll pass this on to the guys too. Josephine DeMarco. Nice. Hello. Thank you. Hey, hello. Loved your Oscar prediction video. Yeah. I'll pass that on to Terry Sack and Todd. I think, I liked it. I've, I've been that was a whole a whole episode actually, Terry and Todd. So it's um it's been 
cool to see that that actually actually got a lot of traction so i'm going to try to start putting their full audio uh their full video versions of the podcast up here on youtube and then slowly break it down slowly break it down onto the youtube as well so you'll have a really long video and then you'll have like little small segmented show segments um but if you're looking for like full format stuff we are i mean whoops one second let me take the comment down I'm gotta do one thing at a time adam and like I said, like full format audio versions are on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher with all videos on here as well. So I think that Crude's review that popped up on our channel too, that was actually part of the review. Um, they did kind of like what we've been watching recently, and then they went to their Oscar conversation. So that was on that podcast episode. But really, uh, it was really cool. I think it's over 300 uh, views on that video now. Really cool seeing that, that grow out and really appreciate all the support on that. She also uh, asks, have you seen The Edge Edge with Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin? I don't know, it's from the, the library. I haven't even heard of that. That's awesome. And I might have to uh, take a look at that. Edge with Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. Let me take a look at that. I'm on, pulling up on IDMDB right, real fast here. Anthony Hopkins, a 1996 film. Edge, nice. The, the Edge. It is a, a 1997 American survival film directed by Lee Timor, starring Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. The plot follows a wealthy businessman, uh, Charles Moore's photographer Bob Green, and assistant um, Stephen, who must trek through the elements to try to survive after their plane crashes down in the Alaskan wilderness. Oh, they're being tracked down by a Kodiak bear. I have seen this poster before, but for whatever reason, I have not seen this movie. Dang, so okay, that's gonna put that on my list. That actually sounds really fascinating. I I remember seeing that poster, I think, when I was a kid. Hmm, interesting. I'll, I'll have to take that take a look at that. That's uh pretty dang cool. Always like rec movie recommendations because you never know like, hidden gems out there from other people. Josephine also has a YouTube channel too where I read I read my movie reviews and poetry. Oh, nice. I'll have to take a look at that. Cool, 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 cool. Really appreciate that. If you guys have any more questions, I think we have a couple people here watching, and I really do appreciate all this as well. You know, I'm, oh, here we go, Eric Thorpe. Here we go. Have you checked out the first episode of Marvel Assembled? The first episode is the making of WandaVision. Makes me loves the show even more. You know, I haven't checked that out. Marvel Assembled. I thought that was just like kind of like a, a recap show. I guess that was Marvel Legends, and. um but Marvel's Assembled, that sounds pretty dang cool. I might have to take that, that, that show up because I really liked, like I said, WandaVision was a really fun show that I really did dig. So I'll have to take a look at that. Thanks for the recommendation on that one. Just came out today. Okay, so cool. Okay, so it wasn't the um, the Legends show that I was thinking it was. was. All right, Josephine. Uh, <clears throat> thoughts on the movie Being There? I have to pull up this one because there's there's been so many movies out recently. Being, let's see here. I'm spelling Boeing for some reason. Being there, it's a 1979 movie. Is that the one you're talking? What 1979 movie? Uh, Academy Award Best Supporting Actor. Have I seen this one? Hmm. I don't know if I've seen this one. Let me see. I think I, I'm pretty sure somebody on our website has. I'm just pulling up our website, almostsideways.com. Take a look at it. It has all our updated movie reviews there from Terry, Zach, Todd, and myself. 
I'm checking out to see if anybody has seen the 1979 film Being There, Old Fastens. Obviously, we, if I haven't seen this, I can't really tell you what I think about it, but we'll at least get the star rating from the other guys. I don't know, 1979, Being There. This is, oh, there we go, 1979, Being There. Okay. Wow. Okay. So th two people have seen this on our website. Zach and Todd both gave it four stars, and both movies, both people have it appeared in their top three of 1979. So I have not personally seen this movie, but two guys on our website have seen this movie and it appeared in the top three. So, so that's definitely, um, yes. And, uh, how Ashby film. Yeah. That's so that looks pretty cool. I might have to take a look, look at that. And again, I appreciate the recommendation. I'm going to get a piece of paper real fast and take a look at it. Make sure. That, yeah. Being there from 1979 and not, and the edge. I like those like, in lack of a better word, those are kind of like random, um, random movie reviews or movies that you brought up. But some of those are probably hidden gems too. I'll take take a look at those movies because I read the synopsis while I pulled them up here, and actually it sounded really kind of really kind of right up my alley. So I have to. Have you seen anything from Hal Ashby? Pull up him because I. I think I have. Let's see here. Pull up his uh, filmography here. Yeah. Yep. See, I've seen, I've seen Harold and Maude. That was really good. I really liked that movie quite a bit. And in the heat of the night. Yeah. 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 Yes. That mystery drama film. Yeah. Man, there's so many Hal Ashby. Yeah. I think the only one I've seen is Harold and Maude. I haven't seen that for such a long time. I'll have to re revisit that movie, but I really liked that one. And I think that he's a really good director that I don't, I don't know. I, I have, I granted for me personally, my blind spot in film are kind of older films past the eighties. I have been working really hard the last couple of years to improve a lot of my blind spots in there. And that's why I kind of started something on the podcast too. My first time watches, which I have done a first time watch recently. Uh, that that my, was my first time watch. We did one last month with Terry for 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street. But going in some older movies, I have a couple Criterion movies right down here by my TV that I'm definitely needing to be uh, starting to watch. Um, I think like the 80s Elephant Man was one of them. Um, also, All About Eve, I think I was really wanting to do that as well. So I'll have, have to look at more Hal Ashby movies so I can get more... Kind of like because it looks like I was looking at he's drawn about has a good filmography and looks like a really like a lot of positive movies and he also who's an editor on a bunch of movies he oh he's he has he's been credited for over thirty it looks like but he has directed about there's three six nine twelve about fifteen movies here. So I'll have to take a look at some of Hal Ashby's movie. That's freaking awesome. <clears throat> Next question. In the Heat of the Night was directed by Norman Jewison, and Hal Ashby did not – he did do the editing, so he might have edited. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at all the movies he was credited for. I thought I was mistaken for the Heat of the Night. I said that, yeah, he was – he it came out in 1967, and he was the editor on that movie, yeah. That was his uh, – looks like his fourth film that he edited. So that's pretty cool. Like I said, like a lot of these titles, and I'm clicking on some of these, like 
the stories that looks really like looks like some really cool films and have the holy mountain i know i know for sure i haven't seen this movie the holy mountain but these, these recommendations are awesome let's just take a look at what the holy mountain is holy mountain 1973 yeah see the, the 70s are what's really going to be um i'm definitely no i'm not going to be able to see a whole lot of these 70s movies let's see the holy mountain is a spanish oh wow okay mexican surreal fantasy film by alejandro jordowski 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 uh the film is produced by the beatles manager Oh, wow. Okay, wow. The Holy Mountain. I'm writing that one down, too. I wonder if any of the guys have seen any of these films. Yeah, I have to touch base with them after they listen to this, but I think that's pretty dang fascinating. But with that said, what have you guys been watching? Let us know in the comment section down below. Till next time, we will see you later.